My drive to the CEO's office, which bizarrely was in a farmhouse in the middle of Essex countryside, <laughs> surrounded by cows and factories, farms. And I rolled up, got out the car, walked in to see the CEO. When he said to me, Howard, I'm very sorry to have to tell you this, but we're going to have to let you go. Hello, fellow risk takers, and welcome to my worst investment ever. Stories of loss to keep you winning. In our community, we know that to win in investing, you must take risk. But to win big, you've got to reduce it. Today's episode is sponsored by my How to Start Building Your Wealth Investing in the Stock Market online course, the complete, proven, step-by-step -step course to guide you from novice to confident investor. To get your 35% discount on this course, go to myworstinvestmentever.com slash deals. My name is Andrew Stotts from A. Stotts Investment Research, and I'm here with featured guest Howard Whiteson. Howard, are you ready to rock? I am. I am ready to rock, Andrew. I can confirm that because we've had a really nice chat working up to this episode, so I'm glad to have you here. And let me introduce you to the audience. Thank you. Howard's economist father made him familiar with financial principles from a very young age. As a teenager, however, Howard rebelled and suffered deep debt and financial chaos. Having journeyed from that low point to master his finances, Howard has spent some 20 years as an expat, the last six in Shanghai, China. He uses a proven five-part process to empower executive expats at such corporations as Apple, Coca-Cola, and Gucci to create, transfer, and protect their wealth internationally. To find out more, you can go to his website called wealthwithoutborders.net, and I was actually on it this morning, Fantastic. and I know you've got a, I think you've got a download there of your five-part process, as I recall. I have indeed, yes, so that's, uh, that's available to anyone who's interested. Fantastic, all right, well, Howard, take a minute and fill any further tidbits about your life. So when I'm not being a finance guy, I'm unusual in my profession in that I love acting. And I've acted in a number of movies several years ago, one of which was a, a Bond movie. And so I was very privileged to work with Piers Brosnan in a, in a movie. So there's a little tidbit. For that you. is cool. And yeah. And how hard is it to get a part in a movie like that? It's got to be, you got to know the right people, you got to be in the right place or? All of that, yeah. I mean, I was professionally trained as an actor. Part of my rebellion, which we touched on, was I went very heavily into the arts and I had a great life. Mm. But my money was chaotic. <laughs> <laughs> I ended up working with some fantastic people and uh, mm. that's probably another podcast is Howard's stories of mingling with the rich and famous, you know. <laughs> well, well, we do we do have one thing in common, and that is that I definitely rebelled when I was young. Of course, I was really young, like the ages of eleven till seventeen. So yeah. I didn't really create financial chaos, except for my parents. Right. <laughs> but I did create a lot of chaos, and I right. eventually managed to get clean and clear of that at the age of eighteen. And have been, uh, you know, a changed man. So I know the idea of when we're in our youth, we're rebelling and, you know, yeah. overcoming some of that. So well, you did better than me because my rebellion lasted a lot longer. So 
<laughs> we'll talk about that. It was. A I start. had it beaten out of me. Let's just say. <laughs> well, maybe I should have had it beaten out of yeah, me. Yeah. And we wouldn't have a story today, right? Well, and that's and now, what a great way to go into that story. So yeah. now it's time to share your worst yeah. investment ever. And since no one ever goes into their worst investment thinking it will be, tell us a bit about the circumstances leading up to it and then tell us your story. So picture the scene. It's a bright summer's day in rolling English countryside. And I'm in my hybrid sports car with the sunroof down, the music going, feeling a million bucks. I'd recently bought that car. It was one of the first hybrid cars. It was made by Honda. I was very proud of all the gadgets and gizmos to the extent that I'd spent some 28,000 pounds on it. That's about 40,000 bucks. And the reason was that I'd just recently had two CEOs tell me that they wanted to work with me on a retainer basis. I was proud, I was confident, I was dashing. I was very much in my realm. I drive to the CEO's office, which bizarrely was in a farmhouse in the middle of Essex countryside, <laughs> surrounded by cows and factories, farms. And I rolled up, got out of the car, walked in to see the CEO when he said to me, Howard, I'm very sorry to have to tell you this, but we're going to have to let you go. And that was a company I'd worked with for some 12 years. It was a great shock. Mm. And then literally within a few weeks, the second CEO had the same story to tell me. He also let me go. So I went really from being very comfortable, very well off into deep debt and a lot of darkness. And I probably ended up tens of thousands of pounds in debt and it was, I think, the most stressful time of my life. So having gone from real confidence and a feeling of security, that car turned out to be the worst investment I've ever made. Mm -hmm. And looking back now, I see it's all a result of this rebellious attitude, this mental imbalance that I had around money. So as you mentioned, my father was an economist and... I grew up very young, learning all about the markets, about bull markets and bear markets. I remember him drawing a little bull and a little bear when I was just a kid. And then I rebelled. I, as I said, I became an actor. I had a wonderful life. But my attitude towards money was basically that it was the root of all evil. It was all a capitalist plot. <laughs> and basically, one should live for today. Screw tomorrow, if you don't mind me saying so and enjoy and so the result of that psychology really led me directly into that dark abyss of debt mm. financial chaos struggling really to make ends meet and going from that point all the way through to financial literacy first of all i'm sure my father god bless his soul he's not with us anymore but i'm sure he would be very proud of me because i've turned the whole wheel around but i'll never forget that as the poorest investment mm. uh, many of us realize that cars are a bad investment purely on the basis that as we drive off the showroom <laughs> we lose half the value then and there 
But I think what for me was a larger mistake was putting all my eggs, you know, a substantial part of my income into one egocentric basket. Because mm. I really didn't need that car. And again, just to unfold the psychology behind it, one of the CEOs I was working with had a very fancy car. And at that point, I had quite a modest car. And he teased me about my modest car in his way. And so there was part of that father-son relationship replaying mm. itself. So I think for me, you know, in my work, I really look at the link between money and psychology. And that all comes as a result of those lessons I learned. That act of knee-jerk rebellion cost me probably six, seven years of extreme struggle, hardship, stress, and I probably lost a bit of this hair as a result. <laughs> and what, what would you say would be kind of the low point or the turning point where you realized things have got to change? So I ended up scrabbling for a job, and luckily I had some very good friends. I was living in London at that point, and I worked in a job I, I enjoyed, but it was extremely hard work. It was unrewarding. And I remember doing the best I could, going to the boss of that company and saying, look, I think I've done really well. Could I have a raise? And he said no. And there I was in London, shuffling around in my dressing gown, watching, you know, boring TV, single, no hope of a relationship, it seemed. <laughs> you know, no raise, struggling to pay off massive debt. At that point, credit card companies were charging mm. something north of 28% interest. Yep. So I was basically only able to pay the interest. I think that was my lowest point where I really felt I'd hit a brick wall. And, you know, I have a lot of questions about this. And I also want to go on and ask you about the lessons you learned. So maybe I'm going to combine that a little bit by what I'd love to hear is like, okay, so now we've heard the bottom. I'd like to hear like, what are the tools or the the triggers or the things that helped you pull out of that, number one. That's kind of something I'm really thinking about. And then the other thing, I just want to ask you, what lessons did you learn? And that may be combined or not. Yeah. So I think what pulled me out was the deeply rooted financial awareness that my father had implanted within me. And I realized if I carry along on this trajectory of debt and chaos, I'm going to end up in a very sad place you know at that point I was still young enough and able enough to find work and so I decided to embrace financial awareness literacy economics mathematics all of which I love and rather than rebelling against it to move towards a more joyful position and then what I learned I had always considered art creativity and maths and finance to be opposite, polar opposites. What I've learned and I'm still learning today is how they overlap, how in fact they inform on one another, how there's both discipline within creativity and creativity within the world of finance. And so I think it was really just acknowledging my broken state mm. was the first lesson. Stop the denial, stop the rebellion, just acknowledge I'm in a dark place here and I've got to do something 
about it. And then those lessons along the way of gaining financial literacy and realizing, in fact, that wasn't so far away from the creative world as I'd imagined. Got it. All right. Well, let me uh, summarize some of the things that I take away from it. You know, um, I think for a lot of people, you know, money and investing is, is a painful topic. Mm. It's yeah. just either, it's either painful because it's overwhelming as far as understanding the markets and all that stuff, or it's painful because of the situation of where one finds themselves. And so, well, I tell you the story. This is a story about my book and kind of what I've done with this. My oldest sister passed away in 1998 with three, you know, beautiful daughters and they were young kids. Mm. And it was a sad time for our family. And as they grew up, I started to think, you know, what could I give them, you know, that my sister would be proud of and that would add unique value to their life. So what I did is I kind of, one of them asked me at one time I was visiting when she was like 16, Kristen asked me, you know, Uncle Andrew could, you know, what would it take to get rich, you know, in the stock market and all that. And I sat down and got her on a computer and we calculated like compound interest and, you know, the compounding effect. And look, if you start at a young age, you know, and you contribute on a consistent basis, you can have time on your side and all that. And she was pretty excited about that. So when she turned 18, I had written up all my notes of how I could help her because she didn't like finance. That wasn't like her thing. She didn't study it. Hmm. And Basically, I sat her down, we went through kind of how I would, in the most simplest terms, tell her to do it. And then I surprised her by saying, and here's $3,000 that we're going to put into an account. And in that case, in America, we started an account at Vanguard. Right. I'm going to help you implement this. And it's very simple. You know, it has to be very simple. But the, the point is, is that when I think about what you experienced during your downtime, it's really that lack of financial security and it can be terrifying. And my goal with them and with that course was the idea of trying to bring them some security. And I think that really is kind of my number one takeaway is how do we build security into our lives, financial security? You know, another story in my mom's case was that when she, when my dad passed away and my mom came you know, here to be with me in Thailand, you know, she was in a secure position as Mm. far as finances were concerned. And that, you know, and that's from a one, you know, my dad was the breadwinner, mom was a housewife, and it wasn't like he was making tons of money. He was a well-paid executive, but, you know, not. And from that, they were able to put together a retirement of 22 years and now an additional you know, years that my mom's able to live with me in Bangkok and be financially independent herself. Yeah. So that security is kind of what I take away from it. So anything you'd add to that? I think that's a great point. And rather than trying to conquer the entire world of finance, there are perhaps ways of just gently taking small steps into that world that I'm a great believer in having moved from rejection, fear, even cynicism towards the world of money myself. Mm. Uh, Now, having embraced some of the 
investment strategies myself, I can feel the joy of that security as opposed to the terror <laughs> of the abyss. So I, I think for me, although it was an awful experience, I'm very glad in retrospect that I had it because it propelled me into a world I might never otherwise have embraced. I remember my counselor, Mike, used to always say, pain is a partner of growth. I believe, sadly, perhaps that's true. <laughs> Unfortunately, might, yes. You know, I've always needed kind of kicking into the next chapter, and it's usually something painful that's done that. Yep. And as a result, I've usually improved. <laughs> so that's a, a big it's lesson. Life. I, yeah, yeah. It's life. All right, so based on what you learned from this story and what you continue to learn, what one action would you recommend our listeners take to avoid suffering the same fate? So I would say very simple action. Just take 10% of what you're earning. If possible, automate that. So it goes at the very least into a high interest savings account and preferably into a range of good funds and yep. just a very simple 30, 30, 30 stocks, bonds and property would be a great way to begin that process. And if you can't afford property, there are property like funds that one could consider Mm. You go low cost, automate as much as possible, and that will build for you over time. That's great advice. And I think the idea of keeping it, you know, starting simple, yeah. starting small is yeah. the best way to start because otherwise, that way you can overcome all the complexity because, hey, it's just a small amount. It's just getting started. Yeah. So I think that's great, great advice, great advice. All right. Mm -hmm. Last question, what's your number one goal for the next 12 months? So I am a father, I'm a bit of a late developer, but my baby is now, Helena is now seven months old. I think my number one goal is just to be a great dad and a great husband, not necessarily in that order. <laughs> <laughs> Depends on the day. <laughs> exactly. And then just to continue to remain open, to keep learning, to keep developing, Mm. never stop that process amen well that sounds great well listeners there you have it another story of loss to keep you winning to find more stories like this previous episodes and resources to help you reduce your risk visit my worst investment ever.com as we end howard i want to thank you again for coming on the show i know it's painful talking about our losers but our listeners are learning to win as a result and i also want to congratulate you for being one of the brave ones. Because most people tell me, I'm not going to come on that show and talk about my worst investment. Are you kidding me? <laughs> so you're one of the brave ones who's turned your worst investment ever into your best teaching moment. Do you have any parting words for the audience? I would just say thank you, Andrew, for the opportunity to share this. It is vulnerable. It is painful. But I'm a big believer in your approach and your courses and you know we resonate we've had a good chat before this we come from a similar place in many ways so i would just say if your listeners gain value from listening to this then i will have suffered without it being in vain amen well that's a wrap on another great story to help us create grow and most importantly protect our well fellow risk takers i'll see you on the upside